Well, good morning to you or afternoon or evening, whenever it might be that you are hearing or viewing uh, our worship service here today, uh, Saturday evening as I come to you. Um, it is a sorrow that we're not able to be together in person, but a joy for us to be able still to join together in spirit and worship the Lord together in our homes. Uh, we are here today because the Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Our call to worship today comes to us from the 23rd Psalm. Some of those most beloved words of all of Scripture for so many people. And when we study these words, we understand why that is. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Pray with me, please. Lord God, those are ample reasons for us to give you praise, ample reason for us to worship the one who is this good shepherd. We thank you that you are the God who leads us. We thank you that you are the God who provides for us. We thank you that you are the God who lays out before us a marvelous feast, which you have invited us and all of your redeemed people from throughout history to partake in. You pour out goodness and mercy and loving kindness upon us always. And then you invite us to dwell with you in your house forever. Lord God, how we thank you that through faith in Jesus Christ, you now dwell with us through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord God, continue to remind us of that which is true. In these times of anxiety, in these times of uncertainty, remind us that you hold us and all of history in your hands. And surely you will lead us in that good path. Even though we may fear the valley of the shadow of death, still you are with us. And because of that, we can face whatever may come our way. We thank you, Jesus, that you entered into death itself and achieved victory over it in the empty tomb. Lord, continue to um, demonstrate your victory over sin and death in our lives, we pray. 
and indeed throughout all of your creation. Continue your redeeming work, Lord, and continue that even this morning through this time of worship. We ask this in your great name. Amen. Well, our sermon passage today, we're going to be considering the matter of mercy as we uh, return to our study of the Beatitudes. And so I want to ask you to consider later on, the Lord will challenge us greatly um, with with his call for us to be merciful and we'll read in Scripture that, um, that those who do not offer merciful deserve the anger of God. But we can praise God as people who have been redeemed by him, that he is no longer angry with us, but still we sin, and we should be angry over our own sin. So I want to encourage you today, don't just grieve over the sin of others, But today, the Holy Spirit desires for us to grieve over our sin, that sin which we tolerate in our lives. And uh, the Lord confronts us with these words from James chapter 2, saying that judgment will be without mercy to the one who shows no mercy. Judgment will be without mercy to those who show no mercy. And so, allow the Holy Spirit to challenge you in that regard. Have you, have I, have we withheld mercy from any person on any occasion? Whether that has been uh, perhaps even this day, this week, over these last weeks or, or month or year, Or is it even longer, maybe? Is there a person in your life who you refuse to show mercy to? Now, yes, we need to show justice. God God calls us um, to to defend justice also. Um, But have we perhaps erred? Have we sinned against the Lord? Have we sinned against the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have we sinned against any person by refusing to show mercy? I want to invite you to ask the Lord to reveal that to you now as we have this time of confession and repentance. And now as God's people, let's confess those times and those ways that that we may sin against the Lord and against others in this type of way. Please pray with me the corporate prayer of confession and repentance that you have there in your worship bulletin. Lord God, your word is clear. Through faith in Jesus Christ, you have forgiven us of much. But often we see our sin as being very small. We consider our sins against you and others as being slight. Lord, help us to see our sin as being that wicked thing that it is. We are like that servant who could never repay the debt that we owe. 
but in mercy you have forgiven us all of our debts. You would be right to pour out your wrath upon us, but instead you poured that out upon Jesus, and you have counted his perfect righteousness as our own. We defraud you, Father, when we refuse to forgive others. Lord God, work repentance in our hearts. Give us that right sense of unending gratitude, which is really our only right response to the mercy that you have shown us. Enable us to be agents of your grace and mercy to others. Be pleased to do this in our lives for the sake of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And now hear again of the goodness of this God who is... um, who has abundant mercies. From Lamentations 3 and Hebrews 8, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And in Hebrews 8, we have these words from the Lord saying, I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. Thank you, God, that you are the God who forgives iniquities. Thank you that, that you remove them from us as far away as the east is from the west, that you cast them into the deepest sea. And as your word says here, you remember them no more. Thank you, Lord, that your mercies are greater than our sins. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Redeemer. Amen. Now let's give thanks to the Lord for his mercy towards us, that mercy that is greater than our sins. Let's worship him now in song. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more.
lavished on us. His blood was the payment. His life was the cost. We stood the death we could never afford. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Well, as I mentioned earlier, we're returning today to our consideration of the Sermon of the Mount and specifically that portion of the Sermon of the Mount, which we know as the Beatitudes, that, that portion of Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus tells us how we can have a blessed life. And today we're going to learn that our lives will be blessed as we show mercy to others. Let's look now again at God's holy word in Matthew chapter 5. Our focus today will be on verse 7, but I'll go ahead and start reading in verse 3. This is God's holy, living, and inerrant word. Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. And then today's verse, verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Pray with me, please. Lord God, help us to understand your will for us, your will for us as it's communicated to us in this portion of your holy word. We pray, Lord, that you would instruct us. Instruct us by your word and by your spirit, we pray. Lead us into all truth. Jesus, you who are the way, the truth, and the life. We pray this in your name. Amen. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now, when we consider this verse, we have to realize that the, that the Lord isn't setting the gospel on its head here. 
Jesus isn't saying that in order for God to be persuaded to pour out his sovereign saving mercy upon us, that we must first show that we're, that we're fit to receive that mercy, first by being good, kind, merciful people who are worthy enough to earn that mercy. That's not what he's saying. We have to remember that this verse doesn't exist in isolation, but it it exists in the context of all of the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes and indeed all of Holy Scripture. But rather in, in the Beatitudes, as we've referenced these past weeks, Jesus is showing us the character of what a true child of God, what a true citizen of the kingdom of God is to look like. One who has been welcomed into the kingdom of God recognizes that that they have no spiritual worthiness of their own to lay claim of. But instead they recognize their sinfulness and their weakness and their neediness. Like in the words of Rock of Ages, they agree, saying, nothing in my hands I bring, but simply to thy cross I cling. The person who says that, the person who believes that is blessed as they recognize their poverty of spirit. And the person who mourns over their sin, as we're told in verse 4, is blessed. And he finds comfort in the arms of the Lord and in the, in the presence, in, in the reality of the gospel of grace. Those who have inherited the earth, those who have inherited the kingdom of God, and those who have inherited all of the promises of God will relate to the Lord and to others in humility and in meekness, we understand from verse 5. And those who have been delivered from bondage to sin will then rejoice in and hunger and thirst for righteousness as the Lord gives us new desires to live in the freedom of Christ and to walk in his ways rather than in the ways of unrighteousness. Where once we may have found a kind of satisfaction in sin, now we find our joy and our satisfaction in living for the glory of God. You know, last week we we looked at Psalm 107, and we We looked at those words, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Or or in other words, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Let the redeemed of the Lord say it. Well, in the Beatitudes, it's like Jesus is saying, let the redeemed of the Lord show it. Let the redeemed of the Lord show forth the restored image of God and the new nature of the one who's been redeemed by God and made into a new creation in Christ, as we're told in 2 Corinthians 5.17. And here in this portion of God's word, our Lord tells us that as those who have been recipients of God's mercy, as those who follow Jesus... We are to show forth mercy to others. Now, if we're going to talk about mercy, we should probably first define it. What is mercy? 
Well, to help us to understand what mercy is, I think that we could best understand that by letting Scripture speak for itself. Let's let Scripture tell us what mercy is. And we learn that, we'll learn about what the Lord means when He speaks about mercy and specifically what He means about receiving mercy and showing forth mercy to others. We, we can learn that in Luke chapter 10. I want to encourage you to turn there in your Bible and we'll study that passage a bit. Luke chapter 10, it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. You, you know this passage well, but still, let's go ahead and take a, take a look at it. I'll begin reading in verse 25 of Luke chapter 10. Luke tells us, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do, or what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And the man answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But, but the man, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, But who is my neighbor? Jesus then replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And it's right for us to understand that Jesus is referring to a Jewish man. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he also passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And then the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and, and whatever more you may spend, I will repay you when I come back. Then Jesus asked the man, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the man said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. In, in verse 37 of this passage, we're told that the actions of this man, who we know as the Good Samaritan, constitutes what mercy is. So, so what is it that we learn about mercy in this passage? And, and here I'm helped by some observations by John Piper. In this passage, we learn that, that mercy requires first a seeing. Verse 33, the Samaritan saw him. The first step of mercy is for us to see the plight and the struggle of another. We must take notice of it. Mercy then responds first with an internal heart response. We also see that in verse 33, where Luke tells us 
where Jesus in the in Luke tells us that the Samaritan had compassion upon him. You see, mercy includes a, a pity or having compassion or having empathy for another when we see them in their time of need. In fact, this same word that's translated sometimes in both the Old and New Testament as mercy is that same word is translated elsewhere with these words of pity and compassion or empathy. And sometimes even that word that's translated as mercy or some of these other words in in the Old Testament is actually that Hebrew word hesed, which we spoke about last week, which can be translated as loving kindness or steadfast love. So mercy requires a taking notice of the plight of another. And that leads to an internal heart response of having compassion upon another. But then that leads to an external practical effort to relieve the distress of that person. Verse 34, he went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and he brought him to an inn and he took care of him. Mercy takes note of the plight of a person. And the one taking note of that distress is, is moved out of a sense of compassion or pity or loving kindness, and he acts to relieve the distress of that person. Doesn't that sound exactly what we read about the Lord doing for us and for his people last week in Psalm 107? The people were found to be in a time of distress, either because of their own sin or, or, or simply because of the brokenness of the world. And the psalmist says that then they, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their time of distress. In other words, the Lord took mercy upon them. And friends, the Lord has taken mercy upon you and I as well. But now take note of this. In our story of the Good Samaritan, there's, a, there's another important aspect to what mercy is. Mercy that is pleasing to the Lord takes action even when the person in distress may be an enemy. Samaritans and Jews hated one another. But still, the Samaritan who showed mercy that pleased the Lord, he still took action to relieve the distress of the other, even though that one was a, was a kind of enemy, one whom he may have thought naturally wasn't deserving. And you know, God has taken mercy upon you and me when we too were his enemies, Scripture tells us. Romans 5, 6 through 10. While we were still weak at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still his enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. 
In Ephesians 2, 1 through 7, And you, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And you were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Because of our sinfulness, we deserve to be objects of wrath. But instead, the Lord is pleased to make us to become objects of mercy. We see that in the following verses. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loves us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. We were dead in our sins. We were in anguish. And the Lord saw us. And the Lord took compassion upon us. He had mercy upon us. Even though we were his enemy. As Titus 3, 3 through 6 says, We ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Like Jesus did with the man with leprosy who came to Jesus and said to him, Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me. Then in Mark 1.41, we're told that then Jesus moved with pity stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be clean. So too, just like with that man, the Lord Jesus has looked upon us with pity and he has healed us. Moved with compassion in mercy, he acted to deliver us from our distress. Okay, so, so we've learned a bit about what the biblical concept of mercy is, at least that mercy that, that we might show another person. What then does it mean to be merciful? Now, now sure, in, in one regard, that's, that's fairly obvious, isn't it? In, in, in one aspect, it means to be merciful means that we engage in acts of mercy. But I'd also like for us to consider another thing that being merciful can mean. And that is that to be merciful means that one is full of mercy. It means that, that we have been made to be recipients of God's abundant mercy. To be merciful means that we have been filled with mercy by the God who is full of mercy. And this God who's 
full of mercy. When, when He gives to His people, He doesn't just give sparingly or grudgingly, but He lavishes us with His love and with His goodness and with His grace and with His mercy. We're told about that in, in places of Scripture like 1 John 3.1. See what kind of love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what you are. Or Ephesians 1.7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us. We have been made to be filled with God's love and grace and mercy. It's what we read in the 23rd Psalm, verse 5. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Because of the mercy which the God of all mercy has poured out upon us, we have been made to be mercy Full. We have been made to be overflowing with God's abundant mercy. And that then enables us to share the manifold mercies of God with others. And the result of that is, is this. Because the love of the Father has been given to us, He then calls upon us to love others. And he, and he doesn't just call us to do that, but through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, He also produces in us uh, love, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. He produces love in us. And that, you see, enables us to fulfill His command and to fulfill His desire for us to love others. As men and women, boys and girls who have been forgiven much by God, He calls upon us and He enables us to forgive others much. As men and women, boys and girls with whom the Lord has shown infinite patience with, He then calls upon us and enables us to show patience towards others. And as we learn here in Matthew 5, as men and women, boys and girls who have received mercy from God, He calls upon us and He enables us to show forth mercy to others. That's confirmed for us in, in Matthew 18 in the parable of the unforgiving servant. I'd like for us to, to look at that passage. Matthew 18, there, beginning in verse 21, we're told, Then Peter came up to Jesus and, and asked, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I tell you not seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents and an and, and unimaginable debt. And since this man could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold, to be sold into slavery with his wife and children and all that we had and payment to be made. So then the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me. 
and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So then his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But this man refused and went and put him in prison until he could pay the debt. Verse 31, when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy upon you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay for all of his debt. And Jesus concludes this passage by saying, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. So here we see this principle that, that I put forward earlier. Because we have been forgiven much, the Lord calls upon us to forgive others much. And because the Lord has been merciful to us, he calls upon us to be merciful also to others. But here's something that's, that's important for us to remember. We, we don't just conjure up mercy in our own strength or, or in our own inherent goodness. But rather we... We, we gain the ability to forgive in this way. We gain the ability to be merciful in this way as we abide in Christ. And as we live and as we walk in the power of the Spirit. And as we live out of our union with Christ, by, as we do that, we then show forth the restored image of God in our lives to a watching world around us, imaging forth the new nature that we now possess. We image forth the new identity of one whose life is now hidden with Christ in God. We then will show forth the image of the God who is rich in mercy, as we're told in Ephesians 2.4. And, and we reflect the image of the one who shows mercy to the oppressed, as we read in Daniel 4.27. And the God who takes pity on, on those who are in need of healing and relief, as we read in Matthew 20.34. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say it. And let the redeemed of the Lord show it. You are blessed if you have received the mercy of God. And you will be blessed all the more. And so will the Lord. And so will those around you as you extend the mercy of God to others. Blessed are the merciful, for they have 
and they will yet all the more receive mercy. Pray with me, please. Lord God, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your abundant, endless, vast mercies. We thank you, Lord, for your saving mercy, and we thank you, Lord, also for your sustaining mercies. Lord, we pray that you'll continue that redemptive activity that you've begun in our lives. Lord, make your spirit to be great in us so that, so that we might be able to extend mercy to others in this way that you call us to in these passages that we've looked at today. Lord, so that you might be honored, so that others might be blessed, and so that we too might receive this promised blessing that we read about in this verse of the Beatitudes. Lord God, we join with the psalmist of of Psalm 59 who says, I will sing aloud of your mercies. We do that here this day, Lord. We proclaim your mercies aloud. We thank you for being the God who pours out his mercy upon his people. Lord God, in your great merciful name we pray. Amen. Well, now, brothers and sisters in Christ, you who have been redeemed by the Lord, you have been made to share in the light of him who is the light of the world. Receive now the Lord's benediction from Matthew five sixteen. Let your light then shine among men so that they may see your good deeds and give praise to your father in heaven. Do this and you will be blessed. Do this and the Lord will be blessed. Do this and others will be blessed as you show forth the abundant mercies of our God and Savior. Amen. Now I want to invite you to conclude your worship today by viewing the song, O Church Arise. And a video of that song should come on now. Thank you and God bless you all.
hills where love and mercy meet as the son of god is stricken and see his foes lie crushed beneath his feet for the conqueror has risen and as the storm